The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. I'm Will Anderson, and uh, joining me first time guest Charlie Clawson, which is very exciting uh, to have her on the podcast. I've been a big fan for a long time, um, and we've got the opportunity to work together uh, for the last uh, week or so in Bermuda, of all places. Uh, so it's very nice to have her on the podcast. Welcome, uh, Jessica Curson. Thank you so much for having me. Now, is it Curson like rhymes with person? Is that how it you is? Go? Yeah. It's Curson, but a lot of people say Curson. Yeah, in America, that's yeah. I, that was kind of my. We would say Curson in Australia. But yeah, but I I was like, oh, well, maybe it's like an American Kirsten sort of. Everyone says Kirsten. Yeah. And I don't even correct them anymore because I'm just so, I'm so used to it. So I just, I just answer to Kirsten now, but it is Kirsten. Yeah. I like that more. Yeah, me too. It also sounds like, you know, like that, that's how we'd exp- you know, talk about swearing in Australia as well. Right, like, Kirsten. I'm yeah, Kirsten at she, you. Yeah. Kirsten's Kirsten. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. She's a Kirsten person. Yeah. She, yeah. Uh, you are delightfully funny. Can I just say that for a start up thank the front? Thank you. That's huge coming from you. I mean, so funny. Thank you. Like nonstop, like just a wall of like great comedy. I've been watching, we've been doing these shows and they've kind of, well, the first night uh, you, you didn't have to be involved. The first night here, Alonzo Bowden and I did like a, a, a show ourselves and uh, we had been warned. It was in the city hall and we got the big speech oh. about like, you know, please... Don't do any rude stuff, please. You know, keep it clean. Yeah. They kept saying to me, cruise ship clean. And I was like, I've never <laughs> been on a cruise. I don't know. I know that you're saying this like this is meant to yeah. give me an explanation of how I'm meant to be performing, but I do not understand what that means. Right. Uh, and then uh, we all worked together on Thursday night in a sort of, I think it was a more corporate style. You know. Yeah, they were sitting at round tables. And yeah, they cabaret were, setting. Yeah. The enemy of comedy. Yeah. They were- <laughs> You know what I'd really like is I'd like the audience to be really spread out. Spread out and some of them have our ba- their backs to us. Yeah. That makes me feel good. Yeah, That's, backs yeah. or at least sides. Yeah, yeah. And if, they don't turn around. And they, if you they... could continually serve them food at the same right. time, that'd help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was a fun show. But then last night we kind of got to actually just do a proper old school stand-up show. And oh my God. Like, I mean... I love to laugh, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that I have laughed that hard in six months. Really? Like, I just only thought you... six months. Well, yeah, I know. Look at you now. That's the comedian going. No, oh, I, I really I know wanted it's always to be negative. There. It's always <laughs> I. I left stage last night and thought I didn't do that well. I'm really kidding? hard well, on myself. Yeah. Beforehand, you were not in the mood, right? No, no, I'm not because I'm depressed because of what's going on in in my country. Uh huh. 
But you're yeah. not in that country. You're in Bermuda. I know, but I can't. Get I all your money CNN over here. Constantly. Don't pay any tax. I, I can't look at the positive of anything right now. No, mm. really. They were a great crowd. Now, I don't, I mean, we can talk about me for a minute, but you ripped the room apart. You killed last night. Like, seriously, you were, people were screaming, laughing at you. Well, that's good. I like that. You did. Am- like, I, I was like, wow, this is incredible. Because I don't normally see comics really kill like that. Well, that's nice because we did have the table of people come up to us the night before. It's always good to have an Australian in the room. The night before, literally somebody came up to me and goes, I think they're only laughing the first half because they couldn't understand what you were saying. Which makes absolutely no sense. Like, it made no sense what what she said. That's the best, though, because I was like, well, that's easier than writing jokes. Of course. If if I could literally tour places and just get, like, 15 minutes of laughs just, like, saying gibberish. Just go, yeah, that made no sense what she said. The Swedish chef from the Muppets would be the biggest comedian in the world. That's what I'm saying, (laughs) right? Yeah, that's true. So tell me about what's going on in your country. Let's move off, like, Uh. the gigs and stuff here. Now, I mean, because it is interesting to hear, I think, from an insider's perspective perspective and of course you're a New Yorker as well mm-hmm. and I think it's really interesting to get a New York perspective on Trump because Trump lives there mm-hmm. and is of there but in the election was overwhelmingly rejected by the city I mean you know really barely got a yeah. vote in New York I, I find I think the New York perspective on Trump is probably you know as interesting as any what 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 do you think what's going on where's your head at Oh, boy. Well, he, you know, he's this reality star that I never liked, even before all of this happened. I couldn't right. stand his energy. And, you know, he was kind of, you know, it was a joke. I mean, he would be a celebrity apprentice, you're fired and all that other stuff. And he just, I guess, um, he has a, a very big team behind him, tons of money. And he's, you know, they're marketing geniuses. And they just appeal to all these people who... um you know, a lot of these people hate women, they're racist, and they believed a lot of stuff that he said that he would give them a better life and make America, quote unquote, make America great again. And um, the funniest part, I mean, it's not funny, but those people are going to be affected the most. Oh, I right. mean, the, the, the poor or middle class white people in the middle of America and the South are going to be affected the most out of everybody. I mean, that, that, that promise that he said, and I get it. Like, if you've lost your job, if the factory moved out of town or whatever because mm-hmm. it went to China, you know, because they can make it cheaper there because that's globalization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that you're mad. And if he says, I'm going to bring the jobs back, you might go, oh, well, that'd be great because I need the jobs back. But here's what he's not going to be able to do. No. Bring the jobs back. Exactly. Unless and, you're and, happy to pay $15,000 for an iPhone. And look at where everything he has made. I mean, everything he has, every business, like he's had everything made out of the country. He is just, in my view, a horrific person and a very sick person. I mean that. Like, it's not even, I'm not even trying to be funny. I mm. really don't think he's okay. I, I, I think he's mentally ill. And, um, and I think that he has some kind of disorder, is not medicated. I, I really mean that because there's tweets at like three in the morning. They're insane. The spelling's off. You know, the stuff he's saying is so crazy. I, I have to say, I wish I could love him. I, I swear I would do anything to love him. But he just, every time he opens his mouth, it is just so ridiculous and so upsetting and it's pathetic. It really is pathetic. Well, you kind of hope that maybe the election thing was a bit of a con. Yeah. Like that was the hope against hope. 
that like he decided that that was his tactic to win that you mm-hmm. go out and you say all these things and you appeal to that's how i felt yeah, right? You're right but then once he actually wins he'll stop getting on twitter and saying stupid that's things that's how and, i felt yep right because you, you're president-elect i mean in 10 days he's well in seven days he's going to be president yeah and he's still tweeting about saturday night live he's tweeting about every he has he is the weakest person I've ever ever encountered. I mean, he he can't. He has ice. It's thin skin. He cannot right. handle um, rejection. He cannot handle anyone saying anything about him. And it's and it's pathetic. I mean, really, it's like he responds to every person. I'm actually getting a kick out of it now. Like I'm praying Betty White or someone really <laughs> innocent says something, and he's like, "You fucking bitch! How dare you know?" I just want him to attack like a child or Betty White or someone who's dying. Like just someone who you know. Well, it's it, that thing now where like I mean, and the way he goes at it too. Like, it's like, I mean, the Meryl Streep thing was the funny one for me because what he's going, if you're going to, you can make fun of her for a whole bunch of reasons. You could say that she was, you know, she didn't understand the plight of middle America. You could say she was rich. She was in an ivory tower that maybe all those things, but that she's overrated as an actress. I laughed out loud. I, when I read that, I laughed out loud. And all these comics in the U.S., all these New York comics wrote, before he responded, he's going to say she's overrated. Right. He's, like, predictable now. Yeah. He's completely re- predictable. I know I know what he's going to say even before he says it. I mean, he's just pathetic. I mean, the only thing I've really agreed with him saying is that Saturday Night Live isn't as funny <laughs> as it used to be. But I, But I feel like that's not his job. I feel like he should not be sitting at home watching that. Shouldn't he be like reading books on like, you know, you know, how to lead a country for dummies and stuff? Yeah, he's, like- <laughs> he's so, the things he's, first of all, he says boycott Hamilton. That's right. sold out to like 3,000. Like, yeah. it's so, I mean, the, everything he says not to do, we, everyone goes and does it. Meaning right. like Hamilton's tickets soared after he said that yeah like he gave yeah. hamilton it's much needed boost right exactly <laughs> and he loves it he loves this conflict this this angst this fighting he, he really does do He's, you think he does i mean it's hard to tell what oh, yeah. his motivations I, he, are if he didn't he wouldn't do it i mean literally if he just kept quiet and stopped responding i think a lot of people would be okay with him it's all of this twitter and stuff that he's saying, you know, um, when he's interviewed and, you know, the way he yells at people and, and yelled at the CNN reporter. I mean, it's 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 scary shit. Seriously. I, I mean, we're, we're joking, but it really is scary. I, I don't know what is going to happen. I don't know. Well, that's I mean, that is the thing now, like because. Now that you're seeing it, there was a really good article actually uh, just a couple of days ago. I, a Russian journalist wrote uh, like an article about what it's like to be a journalist under P- Putin and kind of warnings and, you know, kind of symbols of already what's happening, you know, under, you know, Trump and how the media are going to be treated and how the media will then adapt so that like people will be. And you see it already. You do. You know, the normalization or the trying to suck up because he's the president and they want access to the president. So suddenly you start to normalize this behavior. Yeah. So that you're not the person who gets kicked out of the room, I guess. But right. But yeah, I, I do agree that it, it it's now, I mean, well, I, I haven't found it funny for a very long time, but now it's really darkly, scarily, it's about to happen. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a comedian, because this is the thing that I get asked a bit, you know, you get that kind of cliche of people going, oh, well, it'll be good for comedy, right? It'll be good for comedy, right? 
But do you, how do you feel about that? No, it's not good. No. It, it's it's actually, I mean, well, I have different views about it. First of all, um, I don't talk about Trump on stage, but I, t I talk about the country and how, you know, decisions that people made and how I, stupid I think people have been. And um, and it gets it gets a good response in New York. But now, you know, you're, you're you, you have to be I have to be and all these comics that I know have to be so careful about everything we say, because, you know, people that follow him and like him are like psychotic. I mean, right. they really they'll heckle. You know, there's comics who are so clean and so kind on stage and just do, you know, joke jokes. And then they've brought stuff up about politics and they've been heckled horribly. I mean, I've been talking to them recently and it's it's very divided. A lot of times I get on stage in the United States and half the audience I feel is is with me and half is really like protective of him. And it's it's unbelievable. It's It's been very, very hard for me. I say on stage just knowing how evil some of you are. Do you have any idea how hard it is for me? Like, my job is to make you laugh. Like, that's my job right. is to make you happy, and I hate you. Right. I hate you, and I have to make you happy. People, it's hard. People don't uh, think about that. I often think about that if there's some like somebody saying something terrible or they completely disagree with something nice I might have put on the, like, the internet about like asylum seekers or something, and they're like, you know, whoa, I thought you were meant to be a comedian. Unfollow. And I'm like, oh, you don't understand. Like, I don't want to entertain you. Right. Like I feel bad yeah, that yeah. I've like worked this hard and come up with all these jokes and then some asshole who I didn't like was enjoying them. Right. I'm upset you were even following me in the first place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how was I not clear enough <laughs> up until this point <laughs> that I did not want you involved in this business? Yeah, they just heard what they wanted to hear. <laughs> But I feel like it's my responsibility as a comic and as an artist to be honest and say how I feel. And I'm past the point of just trying to get laughs now. Uh -huh. And I know you feel like that. I can tell just from you and knowing, meeting you and knowing you and listening to your comedy. I feel like I have to be honest and speak the truth and my truth or else I have to stop doing comedy. I have to talk about real issues and try to make them funny. But I, I, I'm not interested in just getting up and making people laugh anymore. That's not... When did that change for you? It changed in the past, really, it changed in the past year. Like, it really shifted from all of this going on because I feel like I can't, I have to, I have to talk about what's really going on. If I just go up and pretend like everything's fine and just make people laugh, that's not real. Like, I'm really down and concerned and scared and angry and, you know, there, there's really not much excitement, which is upsetting. There's not... I, and and I feel I know, I mean, tons of people that feel the way I do. You know, this is how most of my friends and family feels. It's scary stuff. Uh, what do you think is the thing you're most scared about? War. Right. I never. Now this would never have been my answer a year ago. That's what I mean. It uh -huh. would have been about, you know, social issues and gun stuff. I mean, now it's literally like I'm praying we don't get into a war. Uh -huh. I mean, I really like, that's my big concern now. Well, America's not that fond of going to war, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Well, I'm, that... I know, I, I'm just afraid of some huge thing happening because look, look what we're talking about. He is responding this much to Hamilton, SNL, Merrill Streep, right. you know, a congressman. It's like, what is going to happen <laughs> If some leader of a country like North Korea or whatever starts bad mouthing him or saying one thing like he has bad hair. Right. I mean, he it, it's who knows what he'll do. 
He's completely out of control. He's ill. He's an ill person. That is, the, uh, the war thing is, of course, very interesting because if we... If we it's does the it, wind. Does it sound like there's a hurricane? In, yeah, in, there's in a next lot door? of wind. Next, yeah, it really is. I was yeah. like, what is going on? It, it's in the other... Because Will has a suite. I yeah. don't. I'm staying in a broom closet. But Will has a suite. And the headliner gets a sweep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm a yeah. white man and it's Trump's America. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you're good looking. <laughs> well, he closed the door to the bedroom. Cause I, don't, yeah. I don't know what you're hiding in there, but he closed the door. And in that room, there's a lot of wind. I don't know what's going on. In well, there. you know what it was, actually? I opened up the because there's a little, you know, the balcony. You can look at veranda. You know, the veranda. Oh. The veranda. Yeah, we got a little veranda. And uh, I opened it up and a, a little bird flew into the hotel. Are you serious? Yeah. And then it was flying around in there. So I kept the door open oh so that God. the little bird could fly out again. So there's a bird in there? Well, there may not be any more because the door's open. Well, with that wind, the bird's dead. That is like some strong well, There's not a dead wind. bird in there. There might be. That, Mate, they're that... birds. Birds are used to wind. If birds You're died, right. If birds died every time there was wind, <laughs> birds would constantly be... I would think that birds are in favor of wind. Doesn't that do half of their job for them? <laughs> You're as long so as the right. wind's going in the right direction. Yeah, but it sounds really intense. Right. I mean, is it a tiny bird? Or is oh, it's it... tiny. Like with those little oh, so tiny birds. Oh, so it might birds. not be alive. Oh, okay. Now, now you've convinced can me that the dead bird... Okay, we can go in there. Let's just pause this. We can't take the microphones in, but we can go okay. and have a look at the bird and then we'll right. come back. Uh, so bird seems to have left. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see the. We bird. didn't see a bird, and you yeah. didn't see anything incriminating in there. Like I was hiding anything. Right? No blow up dolls or no. No, I mean that'd be tough to travel internationally would you ever, with. Yeah, would you ever do that? Have sex with a blow up doll? Yeah. I mean, what's the circumstance? Just for fun, or probably not just for fun. Like not just in a like. To enter, like, just, yeah. For the entertainment. I like can't really see, like... just bring a blow-up doll with you. No, I can't really see that. Like, in my pool at home, I have, like, you know, like a big blow-up swan and a flamingo that you can kind of, like, float around on. No, I know, but it doesn't have, like, a hole in it. Yeah, but you could make one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I you mean, you don't. You don't need to be... You don't sew need, its mouth. You don't need to be MacGyver, you know, to kind of find... Put a hole in there. Can you imagine? Uh, Even just putting the hole in and then inviting people around and never mentioning the no, hole? No, never. And it never. Takes, and it looks very real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get like, uh, do you know what a flashlight is? Are you familiar course, with what a flashlight yeah, is? Yeah. Maybe I could like do it, get some sort of thing where you kind of essentially insert the flashlight so that it has a... And then put arrows. Like, right. <laughs> I love the idea of arrows. Yeah, arrows, and like, you never address never, it. Never, <laughs> never address it. Orange arrows. I mean, like, because that to me is like, well, does he need the arrows? Does he not? <laughs> Why are the arrows there? Like, is it a guidance system? Like, is he like, is it like Sully? Is he landing the right. plane? Like, what's right. going on? Yeah, there's. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. That's so funny. Um, no, I don't think that. But I mean, I guess maybe for. Uh, no, what purpose? What possible scenario could I be in where I would do it? Maybe to like to save someone's life or something. I don't know why. Right. But, but if you, you know, were dared and like just for not no, just for a dare, not yeah. for kicks. I'm not right. the sort of person who would like. 
I once went to, when I was 17 years old, my uh, best friend at the time, Peter Shepard, and myself, uh, he had an older brother. And uh, his older brother, one of his friends, was getting married. And so we got invited. They must have been just, they're only probably three years older than us. So, you know, we're, I think we're probably last year of high school and they're like, you know, 2021, 20, something mm-hmm. like that. But one of them's getting married. And he has a like a, a bucks party, a, a stag do, right? You know, and we get invited, like, you know, as the kind of younger, you know, brothers, but we get invited right. along to this thing. And it's, it's very exciting for us. You know, we've never really been to anything like this before. Yeah. And it has honestly scarred me for my entire life because, <laughs> well, firstly, like they had a stripper and we were both excited, like, at, you know, at age 17. Oh, of course. And this is before the internet. Yeah. Of course. So like, you know, literally this is probably the first time we're going to see a fully nude woman, right? Right. So I, um, we go to this, uh, like this party and then we go out to this guy's garage, like, you oh, know, so okay. already mm-hmm. pretty terrible. Uh, and they've arranged chairs, like, so the garage is empty, but they've arranged, like, chairs all around the sides of, like, the garage, right? So there's, like, 20 guys now just, like, sitting in, like, a circle around oh, this, this is like, already hysterical. Right, cement floor. Yeah. Like, so concrete floor, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume they've hired these chairs. It's not, like, a random collection from around the house. It's, right. like, they've gone to some company and they've got, like, 20 fold-out chairs, Folding right? chairs, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. And then they're arranged around. So we all sit around. Yeah. And then there's, a, like, a chair in the middle. And so the, the, the guy, the guy who's going to get married, he goes and sits on the chair. Uh-huh. And then the stripper comes in and she essentially gives him, a, like, a lap dance, I guess you'd call it. Was she it. hot? Oh, you know what? I... I I cannot remember. You blocked it out. I have really what blocked it out. There? Well, here's what happened. <laughs> so, like, here is what happened. Something happened something, to emotionally scar you. Something really happened oh, to no. emotionally. Yes. So, uh, first. You were molested. So. Kind of. All right, go on. I we're know. All sitting, I was too. We'll talk about we're it. We're all sitting around in a circle. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's doing a little dance. And it's weird to watch. Because it's really just for him. Right. Like, there's no reason for us to be Yeah, there. it is weird to watch that. I agree with you. Right? Yeah. It's like one of those things where I'm like, Yeah. Oh, this would be better if he just came in here and did that with her. Right. And we were all just out there going, hope he's having a good time. Yeah. Like, why are we witnessing this? In a circle this? watching. Yeah. It yeah, feels it like very weird. Yeah, it feels like Tom Cruise is going to arrive and, yeah. you know, something yeah. weird's going to happen. It feels like the accused. So, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I had not seen the movie at the time, but in retrospect, yes, it did feel like I was about to be involved in a major crime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Something that would haunt me for the rest yes. of my life. Yes. Uh, yeah. As an adult, I would have seen those danger signs and removed myself from that situation. Of but as the youngest person at the party, I was, you know, you go along with you like, well, I guess this is normal, right? Right. It's only since that I've like really like look back on it and picked it apart and realized how fucked up it actually was. But we haven't even got to the bit that disturbed me the most. So there's a, so she, now he's not on the chair anymore. He's lying on the ground. Right. Wow, okay. As she's like, you know, uh, trying to, you know, cavort all over him basically. Right. Yeah. Now there's a couple of things that are bothering me about this already. One, he's just lying on the cement. And I feel like to me, 
could we have not have like put down like a blanket or a towel or something for this? This doesn't like even the joy he must be getting from this must be like counterbalanced by the discomfort he's feeling. Horrific, right? Yeah, cement. It's cement. Horrible. Cold yeah. cement. He's well, laying. He, on... he wasn't moving any hands or anything. Like he was just laying there. He's laying there because she's like kind of doing everything over the top of him, right? Yeah. But what I didn't realize at that stage was that you kind of your your bucks party stripper operates by different code to say your strip club stripper. You know, you go to a strip club, maybe there's some rules about like touching or how oh, far no. it's going to go yeah. or like those sort of things. Yeah. But you're kind of, your garage stripper. <laughs> <laughs> On cement. Yeah, it's, it's a whole new ball game. You know what I mean? Like... The oh, lawnmower's missing. Yeah, rules do not apply. Yeah. This is not cruise ship clean. No. So... <laughs> This is not cabaret seating. Not cabaret seating at all. No. So no one's got the. So anyway, she then unbuttons his pants. Mm -hmm. And now, because up until now, essentially what we've seen is a naked lady. Oh my God. And you're sitting in a circle. Sitting in a circle. Watching all of us. Mm -hmm. And so now we're seeing his penis. Right. Which is. Yeah. I mean, just not really what I was expecting. Yeah. And I'm not, again, not really sure whether this is meant to be fun or is this some sort of ritual humiliation? Is this like... That's what I'm thinking. And you're 16 at the time. Yeah, 16. Yeah, 16, maybe 17. But like Mm. certainly young. Right. Before (laughs) internet. Yeah. Before all this Exactly. Yeah. Like an old school 16. Yeah, I know. Not 16 now where people know more about sex than I know about sex. But like... Very different when we were young. Yeah. 16. So... He, uh, she's trying to now uh, masturbate him in front of all of us. Oh, right. my God. But again, he's lying on the floor and she's just sort of like, you know, just up and down with the hand. Like, I don't know, like she's trying to plunge a toilet or something. You know what well, I mean? I like, have a question. What was everyone doing at the time? Like, I mean, there was, just... mu- oh, there was music playing. Okay, because I'm like, if there was silence and everyone was like... <sighs> Can you imagine? Like, no, I mean, like if really, there was that no was, silence, yeah, that's there was what no silence. Yeah, that's what I. No, thought. there was music. She had like a. She brought a probably a cassette tape player back there, <laughs> an eight track. <laughs> yeah, she set up a she set up a turntable. She brought in some forty fives. It was <laughs> she had a gramophone. She just she had to wind it occasionally. One arm was winding the gramophone, <laughs> and the other arm was like. <laughs> I, I didn't mention that she had uh, she had symbols between her knees. That was she had, she had those... a horn in her vagina. <laughs> Thank God you said there was music because I'm picturing silence with twenty men sitting around. That that's no, weird. There was music. Okay. I can't remember what the music was, but yeah. it, there was music. There was definitely music. So you know, and I think at the, at the start, again, I'm kind of piecing this together this is not a do- like i this is would not stand up in court i the bit that i remember has kind of blocked out a lot of the <laughs> the other stuff i get it it's like yeah. my whole child right <laughs> yeah. it's true i'm sure there was lots of fun yeah. bits about it but yeah. the disturbing bit is exactly. really that that yeah. trumps everything so uh and trumps is know, the appropriate word yeah so uh so I think there was probably some hooter and, and a holder and at the start. You know, right. people were like, this is great. You know, there's a stripper and this is fun. And then she's like trying to get him going. And either because 
you know, he's marrying the love of his life in three days or oh. that there's 20 guys like watching this happening. Uh, but for whatever reason, he he's not, it's not really Working. happening, right? Yeah. So then she decides she's just going to give him a blowjob in front of all of us, right? So she then, now she's just like trying to get this like limp, penis going in front of her like doing her best too but now she's got a crowd watching and now we're all i mean now it's really awkward because yeah i mean it's kind of like she's p- performing cpr like she's trying like you know, breathe god damn it get erect god damn it you know right, she's panicking right because if she doesn't do this this is like her closer yeah, yeah she's uh, <laughs> getting paid for this right and then the thing happens that oh, has no. scarred me forever. His best mate, his best man, comes in <gasps> and just starts. So she's sucking, but the best man starts like uh, kind of masturbating to help. No, get- something's off. Something's really off. <laughs> that is not normal. Oh, no. I know that's not normal. That's the whole reason I'm telling you yeah. this story. No, beyond, I don't think, <laughs> normal's not the right word. That is really strange to me. It's fucked up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you spit on it? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, no. No, that's really right? is that not weird to me. Because for ages, I was like, is that, like. What was everyone's response when that happened? Well, I mean, I'm no serious. one. That's really weird to me. Well, because here's the thing. We were, again, we were the younger two we didn't really know, like we only knew people through the brother. Right. So we, these people weren't really our friends. They were people we knew. Some of them we went to school with, but they were like three or four years older than us at school. So they weren't like people that we could kind of go. And we, and you know, when you're the the newest person in the room, of course, you just assume that what's going on is the way things. So no one said anything work. when the guy did that. No. Oh, that's weird to me. No, no that, one. That is very weird. It right? is. is. I that could not, not see that happening crazy, with any of right? my friends. Yeah. It's traumatizing. Right. Did he end up getting off? You know what? I can't even, like, again, <laughs> I everything after that, like, literally everything after that happened, I think, I can't remember anything from the next two years. You were. Because all I was thinking about <laughs> for two years was what the fuck did I just say? I was at second year uni and it was like I woke up in a coma and went, well, hang on, how did I get in camera? I guarantee you didn't tell anyone. Did you not tell anyone? Well, I mean, I, luckily enough, my friend Peter and I were both there. So we were able to right. talk about it pretty constantly about going... That happened, right? Yeah, that is very strange right. to me. Very. Oh, and by the way, here's what I didn't mention. When he first started doing it, two fingers. So he went in like a oh my like God, a pincher move, crazy. like thumb and first finger, just kind of. This is one of the craziest <laughs> things I've ever heard. Right? And I'm surprised that none of his friends said anything. Like, I feel like if my guy friends were together and that happened, people would be like, what the, What are you doing? Well, I mean, now, if I went to something now and it happened. But I mean, the other guys, I don't mean you. I can get why you didn't say anything. Well, you I mean, younger, may, I, I, you know what? Maybe they did. Like, you know, maybe they did, but I just wasn't aware or conscious. In fact, as you point out, there were 20 people there. Without a doubt, some of them clearly would have you know, walked away from that experience with the same thoughts as me, I imagine. That but. is so... Well, that makes me think that something happened with them before. That's weird. 
Oh, you, you are oh, that there's yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you I mean, it's a weird time to do it for the first time, isn't it? <laughs> Like, yeah, man. Like we've been friends a while. I'm just gonna use two fingers and like try to make this work. It's not gay if it's two fingers and yeah. there's a and there's a like and there's a stripper giving you a blowjob. This is not gay. No, this is just helping. It's I'm not your best gay man. If it's right before your wedding. Yeah, it's fine. That's really interesting. Is that not? Yeah, it's interesting. I can see how that scarred you. That would scar me too. I mean, and the other thing is. I, I don't give a shit what people get up to in the privacy of their own of houses or bedrooms or whatever. If they want to be doing that together, you know, in their lives, yeah, more power to them. Like, I, that was my kind of thing with the, even with the Trump, um, you know, the, the most recent sort of Trump scandal, the, yeah. you know, the golden showers mm-hmm. story um, that everybody seemed to be so gleeful of. I was like, to be honest, like, using sex workers or enjoying some sort of you know non-traditional sexual thing is not particularly something that i give a shit about one way or the other i don't either except when you're married and you claim to be uh, right and you and you know his whole thing was going off on bill clinton and hillary and i mean that's that's my only reason oh, otherwise and, and the fact care, that i could care less yeah. what people do in their sex life. or you know and you could argue if there is a like if these things become things that you can blackmail with somebody with like that's if people have skeletons yeah. yes. if you have skeletons in your closet that can be used to blackmail you or influence you which he definitely does i mean definitely i mean like with all the things we know about him out in public can you imagine what the skeletons are yeah i mean he's i mean they've got to be literal skeletons right oh there's got to (laughs) be hundreds of skeletons like a graveyard full and I can't even. I'm he's dying probably not even the. Stuff. He's probably not even the real Donald Trump. It's probably like the. You've ever seen that movie, The Prestige? Yeah. It's probably like the end of The Prestige, and if you go under Trump Towers, there's like you know just hundreds of Donald Trumps, and every day they yeah. die, and a new one is born. Yeah, it's like Weekend at Bernie's. Right. Like you prop him up to talk. <laughs> I didn't care about that either. I really don't care. I mean, I don't judge anyone for their sex. I I could care less, but it's just you know. I actually feel bad for Melania. I know people like hate her. I I feel bad for her. I don't think she planned on any of this. Oh my God. I mean, really, I think she's just this woman. She met this guy, this powerful guy, good looking at the time to her, whatever, you know, thought she'd have a kid with him, live this amazing life and have money. And now all of a sudden it's crazy. She's first lady. She must hate him. I have a feeling she hates him well she certainly didn't want him to be president no i mean she's not even going to move into the oval office no she's not oh into the white house i mean you know well you know but she's not (laughs) not the oval office yeah but it's in there it's part of it It i'm sorry i went it's going to be covered in semen (laughs) oh it wouldn't be the first time i know that's (laughs) true no she's not even moving there and I, i i feel bad for her i mean she has this kid he seems awkward and right whatever his issues are it's just horrible it's like i just you know but you can't what what's she gonna do can you imagine that would be incredible if she left him or just said she wanted a divorce now that would be unbelievable i mean it'd be it'd be great if she has some affair with somebody nice that's what i would like to say that yeah. would be the best way i think yeah. Like if it came out that she was she'd hooked up with Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I was just gonna say that, <laughs> Donald. I was Donald. I've got something to break that. you. I've been feeling the burn, and <laughs> that's a start. that's amazing. 
Can you imagine? He would die if he had sex with her. Uh, like he's just too B- Bernie. old. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- who knows? She probably lays there too, like your friend on the cement. Mm. Who I don't knows? know. Who knows? I mean, it's up yeah. to people. Can do whatever they want to do. I suppose. Yeah. Who cares? That's the I, bit I don't care about. I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't I, I'm, I'm less worried about. It was like when people were like, oh, you know, when the, the, with her naked photos and stuff like that, and they were mm. kind of like, you know, slut shaming her, really. And I was just like, of all the things you can attack him about, and there are a long, long list of things. You know, things that he's said, things that he's done. You don't need to attack a woman who at some stage had a job. Like, let's be honest, she, those photos were taken for modeling work, you know. She was just doing her job. And we're a society that asks women to take their clothes off for modeling. I felt like that was like the weirdest thing to be shaming somebody for or being upset that like, you know, the first lady had nude photos of her out there. I mean, I think we're at the point now where from now on, we're never going to have a first lady who hasn't had nude photos because... <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, everybody's had nude photos now since everyone has phones. Like, there's re- you're really going to find someone who hasn't, you know. I think it was more so the things that, you know, he was saying and how all these um, religious people are supporting him and, and just there's so many conflicts and it's just, it's crazy. Oh, I mean, but the that's the great, I mean, I Excuse think me. that's the great, uh, the, the amazing skill that he's had. Um, whether it has been on purpose or, or whatever, but is the idea that he has, he has appealed to so many groups that he has nothing in common with and clearly does not support or whatever and got the backing of all these, you know, he got the backing of the, the working class male and he's literally the complete opposite of a working class because male. Couldn't be. All the, he, it's all promises. Right. I'm but, gonna do this. This is gonna. Ha- He's a salesman. Right. Listen, you're a comic. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. I, I I talk comedy for years. If you're confident, it, it the jokes are very 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 important. But when someone goes up who's confident, who's a good salesperson, they'll sell it. You see it all the time. People with horrible material, and they go up and kill. And you're like, what is going on? And then people with the greatest material in the world have no stage presence and can't sell it, and they bomb. Well, I tell this story all the time, but like Chris Rock, often when he's trialing new material, yeah, will trial it, you know, read it off a piece of paper or like n- not Chris Rock it, right? Because because he's so charismatic, once he Chris rocks it, yeah, you're right, that everything's funny, yeah. Like I mean, even Jimmy Fallon doing an impression of Chris Rock at the Golden Globes was still the funniest bit of his monologue. <laughs> as soon as you Chris Rock something, it makes it funny. So I know what you mean, and oh, look, I mean, I say it all the time, like. I, I've never been an amazing joke writer. Um, you know, I try hard, but I'm not like a naturally... I'm the exact same way. But, you know, I have a, a an ability to convince people that they are enjoying my company. I'm the same way. <clears throat> and I think it's really important. It, that's very, very important. It's not just the joke writing. You know, there's a lot of people who are great joke writers and I'm like, mm, they'd be better as a writer. Right. But as a performer, I'm just not interested. Like when someone doesn't sell it and they don't seem confident, I just stare at them on stage. I'm not even, I'm kind of not even listening to what they're saying. And confident doesn't mean, I mean, both of us are a, a bit bold and you know mm. out there and you can be loud or excitable. And that is a, a type of confidence, but it, it's not the only type of confidence. Like people can be very still and oh, confident. Yeah. They could be the driest comic in the world, but they're yeah. still selling it. Yeah. That's the difference. Like yeah. what you really want. And I always say this, like essentially the audience, when you walk on stage, 
all the audience want is that sense of, oh, I can relax and let them do their job. Yes. That's all they want from you at the yeah. start. And it's why people who look too nervous will often just lose the crowd straight away because the exactly. whole crowd gets nervous for them and they go, oh, this is not going right. to go well. I, I said, I, the minute you're walking to the stage, they sense right. it. And then the other one is people who want it too much because mm -hmm. it can be as bad as, like, you know, if you, like, you've got to be confident, but part of that confidence is saying to the audience, like, through your act of, like, well, this is funny. Yes. You know, as in, like, I think this is funny. Yeah. I want you to enjoy it. But if you're not getting it, that's that's your fault. Like, I'm confident enough to know that my act is, like, yeah. interesting and funny and those sort of things. You know, sometimes you see those people on stage who clearly need to be loved so much or whatever. Well, that I, it I always say on stage there's givers and takers. Now, you're clearly a giver. I only laugh at people who really give. And it's not about them getting 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 you know like takers because you know what i'm talking about there's mm. some comics and some of them are successful i don't find it funny when it's about them and because most comics i know you know they'll get off stage and it's like even if they kill they know they did well but they they still are like uh you know it was great i did well but the people that are always like i killed i killed i killed i mean i, I just have never been like that ever you know i think about the one joke that didn't do great yeah i i, I mean but Yes. And it's why my favorite joke after somebody kills always when they come off is just to say, ah, oh, you'll get them next time. I know. I love like it's my, say that. It's, it's, my, it's my favorite because to me, that is like what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, you know, like that's my way of saying you did great. I would not say that to you if I didn't think oh, that you course. had killed, you yeah. know, but you don't want to hear the opposite all right let's talk more about you because you know we've already talked for 40 minutes and we've banged on about me and we've banged on about comedy and we've banged on about trump but mm -hmm. i really want to introduce you to my audience and my listeners so tell me tell me something about you what's like what what do you what do you what's your story what defines you what what you know what where are you at what what, what are you interested in um you just did a movie with robert de niro i did yeah, I did. I started stand-up almost 18 years ago, and I never thought I would do it. I did it because I was I was always the class clown, but it's really that, like, anyone who finds out that I'm a comic now is like, of course. Oh. You know, you were, I was crazy growing uh -huh. up, and I realized the power of being funny, you know, I, and I and I realized the power of laughter. What, would, um, well, at that age, when uh -huh. you were younger, what, what power was it? What uh, were you using it for? Well, I was not a happy kid. So I used humor a lot to deal with the pain. You know, mm -hmm. I would make fun of things and laugh about it and make fun of my life and myself. And, and then I realized that you could, you know, get a lot of friends by being funny, that people like being around someone who's funny. So um, it, it, I realized the power of it, of like winning people over uh, by being a funny person. And it just helped me get through so many things in my life. It really did. And then when I was... Um, in my 20s, my grandmother was watching me one day and just called me over and said, you need to be a comedian. Every time you're around people, they're laughing. You know, she was watching me with my cousins and uh -huh. my siblings. And I said, I could never do that. And I was petrified, petrified. I actually went to see a psychologist who deals with fears because mm -hmm. I, I was petrified to get on stage. But I did it and I realized how powerful I felt. And to this day, it's like the only time I really feel present and feel like I'm in control is when I'm on stage. It's like the only time in my life when I really feel like that. It's, I, I don't uh, know who originally said it. I've heard Mark Maron 
quote it and repeat it and I have then quoted and repeated it and it, you know in a very much a telephone way I'm giving you the gist of this rather mm-hmm. than you know yeah. and I wish I knew uh, who originally said it so I could attribute it properly but uh, the idea that comedians you know do what they do so they can control how people laugh at them you know yeah. it gives you that power on stage um barry humphreys do you know who barry humphreys no. is uh, do you know the character dame edna everidge yeah. okay yeah. so barry humphreys is dame edna everidge mm-hmm. and uh he is i think without doubt australia's greatest ever comic export you know mm-hmm. he really you know defined comedy in australia for 40 years and was our most successful international act you know by mm-hmm. a mile and you know a really brilliant guy has some terrible opinions as an old person i always look at him as one of those people it is an example of please don't let me become old and boring like barry oh, yeah, you know he's yeah. one of those guys, he's become really conservative like he was so edgy and so brilliantly funny and now he doesn't like comedians saying fuck and you oh, know all know. those sort of what things and that? i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. the last guy he didn't like that was called Bill Cosby so let's just yeah exactly it's the first person I thought of when you just said that yeah yeah so um but brilliant brilliant you know comedian and like you know to an Australian the biggest award at the Melbourne Comedy Festival is called the Barry named after Barry Humphreys and one of the things that he used to say um he was asked once uh, you know what's it like to walk on stage in front of 3,000 people what goes through your mind and he said something that like always resonates with me which is he goes oh alone at last Oh, that's so interesting. Because I feel you, like that. Well, because everything else that's happening in your day, yeah, everything else, like, you know, people always ask you as a comedian, I think they ask you, they, like, if you're having a bad day, how do you do it? And I'm saying, oh, they're the best ones. Because for half an hour or whatever, I don't have to think about my bad day. In fact, right. I can't. I have to get up there and entertain those people. And yeah. if you're thinking about anything else in that moment, you can't do that probably. You're right. That's what I meant about being present. Like, it's really the only time I'm ever fully present is when I'm just on stage and having to focus on what's going on in the room and what I'm going to say and where did you that. start when you first started doing stand-up my my New York I, I've always been in New York and my first show was at Caroline's believe it or not is that right yeah I, took I mean that's a very at, famous like yeah. New York comedy club yep there were like 300 people there my whole family was there like 30 something people and I mean, um, that's nice though, right? It was nice and I was petrified. So it was really, really great. And then I started doing horrible open mics and I did, you know, I've really, really busted my ass. It's like the one thing I feel proud of, you know, everything else I kind of did done half, you know, half ass. I uh. really mean that. Um, but with this, I really have given it my all. And so... I do now at this point in my career feel like I do deserve stuff. I didn't even feel like that a year ago, but something shifted. Um, And with the movie, with working with De Niro, De Niro and and Taylor Hackford, who's the director who Mm. directed Ray and... and, Oh my god, a ton of movies. Yeah. Ray, um, the Ray Romano movie, right? <laughs> Jamie yeah. Foxx played Ray Ray Romano. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's a really good film. Yeah, Very underrated. He had a horrible but, tan during yeah. the movie. <laughs> Did whiteface the whole time. Yeah. It was bizarre, but yeah. it was <laughs> That's so funny. In Officer and a Gentleman. I mean, so many <laughs> movies he did. But he, they saw me at the Comedy Cellar in New York right. City. It's it's an amazing story because this stuff does not happen anymore. Okay. So, so that's tell why me. I love it so much. So they literally were just, what, in the room I watching comedy? I heard they were there. They had been going to see comics for months to to Because the movie people. is about stand-up right. comedy, right? plays a comic. Yep. And he plays a comic who made it huge and then lost it all and has to, you know, come back and be relevant. And 
and they saw me and and they loved my stand up and I was at a gig like three days later and I got a call at noon I was in Florida on a Saturday from Taylor Hackford saying I had no idea who he was right. he's married to Helen Mirren I mean he's like this huge movie director and he's like, we saw you. We'd love you to be in the movie. And I said, oh, wow, great. And he's like, yeah, Bob and I would like to meet you on Wednesday. And I'm right. like, uh, Bob who? And he's like, Bob yep. De Niro. And I'm, Bobby. I'm thinking, Did I, Bob? what? Like, it was crazy. <laughs> in your crazy. head, you're like, Robert De Niro doesn't have like a, a, a brother called Bob, right? This yeah, is the I'm same. Yeah, like, who's Bob? <laughs> I mean, Bob, Bob Costa. Like, who is Bob? <laughs> but I met with them. And in some way... It was so, in, in a lot of ways, it was very natural. I right. know people are shocked by this, but I wasn't like starch. I didn't freak out. I don't know. I don't know. I've been around a lot of famous people. My stepbrother is Zach Braff, you know, the Scrubs Garden State guy. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've met a lot of people through him and been to all his stuff. And I don't know why. It just didn't, it didn't phase me. I was Now, really, has he ever cast you in any of his things, Zach? Um, Zach has called me in on some stuff, but no, I haven't. <laughs> I mean, come on, Zach. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think that he, I mean, why would I want to be in anything he's made anyway? <laughs> I mean, that's right. You're not getting paid properly from that Kickstarter money. <laughs> what am I going to get a t-shirt? Um, yeah, so, so, but I met with them and then like Harvey Keitel popped in the room and uh -huh. was like, Hey, um, I need to, do, and, and I was like, what is, I just felt like I was on another planet, right. but to make a very long story short, they cast me in the movie. So I'm in a scene with he and Leslie Mann, but way beyond that, I ended up being his teacher. I, I met with him every day at a comedy club. I taught him how to do stand up, taught him how to hold a mic, all the things we've been talking about. I told him, he came to a lot of my shows. I, I we became friendly, and I, I, I was on set for the entire. He wanted me there for every single scene. It's a drama. It's not with comedy in right. it. So I was there for all the dramatic scenes, and I was in. I mean, theater. it has to be too, by the way, because stand-up comedy movies that right. try to be funny just don't work. Well, there are there are scenes where they try to be funny, and listen, there's a lot that happened that I had no say in. I mean, right. the director makes the choices, <laughs> but I fought as hard as I could <laughs> to to you know, tell them what it should be like and what a comic would be like and a relationship and everything. And it was the most incredible experience. I mean, he wore a, an earpiece and I was on the other end of it for months. So tell me, because uh, I'm, I'm interested in like, uh, you know, when you're teaching somebody like that, an actor, you know, and a, a very, you know, obviously, you know, nobody needs me to, um, you know, explain to them how good an actor Robert De Niro is. They've all seen Dirty Grandpa. They get it. And yeah, that uh, was his best performance <laughs> by far. Right. <laughs> that and Rocky and Bullwinkle. I mean, this is a guy who can act. We know yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But no, I mean, everybody knows how great an actor is. But if you, when you're teaching an actor to, be, to act like a stand-up, like, I mean, where do you even start? What did he bring to the table? I, what were, you know? I mean, even when you asked me that question, I still can't even believe what I did. Like, I, I really can't believe what I did and what I taught him and what I told him and how open he was to the feedback. I mean, I was explaining to him how to do stand-up with every single, oh my God, with with the audience members, with other comics in his in his dramatic acting scenes, you know, how a comic would act or he was so open to feedback. He was so vulnerable and had so much humility. I can't even express it to you. 
Like, I don't even know how to explain it. There was no ego. What do you think I, was the biggest uh, misconception that he probably had or the thing that he was just most surprised by? Right perhaps? away. The first the first scene, one of, one of the first scenes we shot was this um, wedding scene. And he got up and did a speech, you know, but it, it, it had, like, stand-up in it. I mean, mm. it was a speech, but it was supposed to be funny. And he just, like, immediately said, this is the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I was like, wow, that is so amazing to hear De Niro say that after everything he's done and everything he's played. And he has said it on late night shows, too, on Kimmel and and um, Fallon. Like, it was really hard for him. Because at some point, the extras, you know, the actors lost interest, even though it was De Niro, because he was doing the same jokes over and over again. And they were like dead. And I kept saying to them, come on, you got to be upbeat. And I kept saying to him, you know, listen, they're they're going to lose. He's like, but it's so hard because they're just staring at me. I said, yeah, yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> you know, it was so amazing. <laughs> and he really struggled with that. Right. I mean, which anyone would, especially when you're this established actor and you go up and, you know, after 10, 12, 18 hours of filming, people are exhausted. Did he actually do any... Like actual stand up, like did he go to a club and actually he did, ever do? Yeah, yeah, he did. We, um, there's a couple of scenes where he does stand up, and there's a bunch of stuff I wrote, and then again a bunch of stuff that I, you know, they chose that I, that I had no say in. Right. Um, but we met every day. He is a he is a warrior. Like when people say, "Oh, this comes easy," he must just you know. No, no. This guy would, I was exhausted. I'm half his age almost. I was exhausted. And we'd be like, well, I, I want to meet at 9 a.m. tomorrow. You know, when we're done filming at 3 a.m. the uh -huh. night before. And he would go to the gym before that with a trainer at five something. I mean, it's insane. And then meet me at a comedy club and go and do the bits and do them in front of me and, you know, try to memorize stuff and then go to set for another 16, 18 hours. I mean, it was insane. What he did. Well, do you, was he a fan of stand-up comedy previously? Huge fan. Huge. He what, has a what is he like? What like Did he ever tell you sort of what he was into beforehand? Like what sort of comedy did he... He loves all kinds of... Com he would love you. He loves high energy. You know, right. just people who tell stories, who get into it, physical. You know, he loved Robin Williams. was a very good friend of his. Um, he likes all kinds of stand-up, really. He, he's a huge fan of stand-up, and he realized immediately how hard it is, that it's just really hard. It's a really amazing story. I know. It's a really amazing story. I mean, yeah. that, what a great experience in your life. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable, and I connected with him so much and the other actors, and you know, I said this in an interview the other day. It was the first time in my life where I ha really had to show up. Like, I was petrified because he hired me. The right. director didn't. Uh -huh. So there were so many times when I would walk in and, you know, the director didn't necessarily want me there because I was going to have feedback that was different. He, you know, I, I, I really fought for what I believed in. Yeah. And I wanted to stay quiet because it was easier to just stay quiet, sit in the sit in the sidelines. But I was in there. Like I would get up, go up to Bob and be, and everyone calls him Bob. By the way, right. no one calls him Robert. It's so funny. Like <laughs> no one. But I would go up to him and give like say stuff to him during the whole time, and a lot of times get in trouble. But he'd want me, go, where's Jessica? Where's right. Jessica? Get Jessica. Like, he wanted my feedback. And it would piss some people off. But I kind of became the in-between person where Harvey would come with me to me to ask me feedback or Leslie Mann or Edie Falco or, you know, they all would want me there because I was kind of the buffer. I became like the mediator. It was unbelievable.
It was crazy. I mean, that is just an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah. Um, we could talk all day, but we have two shows tonight and I'm conscious about the fact of like, you know, uh, not uh, taking up too much more of your time. So what's, what What else? What else are you doing now? Like, what? where can people, like, let's start talking about this because it'll take us a little bit by the time we finish up anyway. Um, like, you have a podcast of your own. Can we talk about that? Sure, I have a podcast called Fat Pig. Now, why is it called Fat Pig? Tell because people. it's really, you know what? It started out, it was my friend Frank Liotti's idea of the name and I, I thought it was a catchy name and it's a lot about food and dieting and overeating and secret eating and you know but it's turned into more of like not taking care of yourself <laughs> overdoing it with everything like I will overdo it with anything I mean it doesn't matter what it is I'm just a complete garbage can addict you know like self-sabotaging in a lot of ways um, I at these shows we've been doing they've been providing I am like the one thing that I cannot go past is like free food. Like still to this oh, day, I think it's that I, comedian thing or whatever, or just like I'm, and I'm got enough money now that I can buy my own food. Yeah. But if there is free food available, yeah. I have to have that free food. And they've been providing like, you know, like those little finger sandwiches with their, right. like, like the crusts are cut off. I know. It's and kind like, of annoying to me. I feel like I'm like 11, but it's okay. I, I mean, I'm eating so many of those sandwiches. So I've been taking plates to go into my room because oh, I'm like, I'm not wasting all this I didn't even know meat. you could do that. That's oh, a yeah, good idea. Oh, yeah, you take a plate. I, I load it with meat and fruit oh and God. all kinds of stuff. Oh, I've really yeah. wasted a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to take a whole platter up <laughs> yeah, to your room. Yeah, tonight in between shows. You should it. They probably throw it out. Or just, I mean, that's know. a good point, actually. Yeah. I, I, so, what's your, when it comes to food? What's the what's the one that is there a particular food or a particular thing that like uh, you can't you know Chips, that really goes salty to stuff and carbs, any kind of carbs. So I I don't eat bread. I I haven't eaten bread in years. Yeah. Uh, why? Because I can't have a little. I cannot have uh -huh. a piece of bread. I'm crazy. So if I like, for example, I'll eat it, like it's not bread, but Tostitos because I'll say it's corn, so it's okay. Okay. But yeah, they're sure. fried chips. Yep. Like you can't. They're not okay. They're not. But okay. I'm so crazy that I'll say it's corn. It's okay. I can have it. It's fine. Yeah. Or like those vegetables. Even though corn is actually technically worse for your body in that process. Exactly. <laughs> but it's a vegetable. Like, I'm insane. Yeah. Or those like vegetable potato chips, you know, those uh -huh. vet, quote unquote, veggie chips. Yeah, I'm veggie like, chips. oh no, it's They're tomato healthy. and carrot. It's, like it's potato food. chips with coloring. It's health food. Right. I'll eat the whole bag. So I don't eat things that I can't have. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't do that. I get the bread thing because bread is probably my go-to because I'm vegetarian. But oh, as yeah. um, as I like to remind people, like normally when you say vegetarian, it implies that you like fruit and vegetables. Yeah. I don't really. Right. Like I'm mostly like I eat a lot of bread. Like you know, in yeah. fact, like I'll have days where my three meals will just be. I remember I was in uh, just on tour recently, and I felt like in that day I'd had three really specifically different meals. But I'd had like a grilled cheese sandwich. Mm -hmm. I'd had had like a margarita, like a cheese pizza, and and then at night I had like a quesadilla, and literally I, I just had all of that. Yeah. Like I would be fine just eating that the rest of my life. Me too. Yeah, but yeah. I'd eaten essentially the same thing three <laughs> times in a day, <laughs> like just because they were served. Like, you know, just because I were literally served from different countries' perspectives, it did not mean that I wasn't <laughs> just eating cheese and bread all well, day long. Well, cheese is a huge one for me. I I could yeah. eat a ton of cheese. I love cheese, well, which delicious. is also bad. Yeah. It's bad. I mean, I that's, you know, but I'm like, oh, it's cheese, it's milk, it's protein. I mean, right. I'm crazy. I mean, it's so, good for your bones, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, I well, mean, yeah. I'll have strong bones strong and be 600 bones. pounds. <laughs> well, you'll need those strong bones. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
the bad so, news is I'm yeah. 600 pounds, but the good news is <laughs> yeah. solid. Yeah. Standing I mean, I wouldn't strong. break a bone anyway if I yeah. fell because I'd have so much fat. <laughs> well, that's a good point. It's a yeah. buffer. Yeah, you're right. You like, have yeah, horrible bones. Yeah, I'm not fat. I'm just protecting myself <laughs> from bone injuries. What you are you talking about? You could fall out of a building and if you're that fat, you'd be fine. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. This is like in case of emergency. I fly a lot. This isn't my only plan for saving myself from a big fall. I what fall a lot. I fall all the time. I bounce straight back up. Seriously, stop judging me. That's very funny. It's true. <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing that and I'm working on a I'm working on a TV show about my life being the daughter of a therapist, which we could also talk about for hours, but that with the producers of the comedians. So I developed a relationship with them and, and really connected. One of them also has a mother who's a therapist and also saw clients in the house. So we have a lot in common. So that's interesting to me, the whole seeing clients in the house, because that's where it gets crazy, crazy, right? Crazy. I, I grew up... I, there was no cell phones then. We're talking about, you mm. know, when we were younger, yep. really. I mean, I answered the door for my mother's clients and she, it was, she is incredibly disorganized. So never wrote down when they were coming, who was coming when. I mean, it sounds like it's unbelievable, but people would just show up for appointments two at a time. I would have to explain to them <laughs> where she was. That's what you want totally when you're going true. to therapy, isn't it? I felt uncomfortable <laughs> and bad for people my entire life. Because these are like damaged people and, and I right. had no way of getting in into touch with her. So if she was out, I had no way of finding out when she was coming home, what was going on. I was enraged and embarrassed. And I they would sit and just wait for her. And a lot of times they would leave if she wasn't there or two would come at a time and I'd feel bad for the one that was waiting. And it's just, it's this crazy well, situation. Is there something Plus about I'd be quiet constantly. So is there something about, I mean, because obviously, you know, you, you, your mum being a therapist, that's someone who's helping other people, you exactly. know, right? Exactly. That was her mission. But does that mean that you don't get that at yes. home? Is it like, yes, that's yeah. a lot of what the show is about. It's about like everything looks good on the outside. You know, I grew up with some money and the nice house and everything looked okay, but she was out saving the world and was not focused on her kids. And it's not because she's a bad person. It's just she just really wanted to like save the world. To this day, she's like that. And she's shown up a lot more over the years and I forgive her, but I did not have a mother growing up that mm -hmm. was around at all. And it really affected me in my life like a lot. It's interesting. And, yeah. and and that's something that you think, you know, is will be like that's the show. Like if you if you feel like that's are you we're in this show, are you because uh, if if it's is it set like in in that sort of time? Yeah, it's so it's, does that mean that who will you be? Well see, I don't this who is do the, you this get is to be the interesting thing. I don't even know if I'll be in it or right. not, and I okay. don't care. Like I really don't care. I, uh -huh. I'm so passionate about doing this and about doing a show about this. Could you be one of the? You could be one of the regular clients. That's though, funny right? you just said that because that's what we've talked about. Right. Because I mean, that's a easily, good way. That means great, you get to be in it, but yeah, you don't have to be the. Well, that's I see comics being the clients. Right. I mean, this is totally what I see. Right. Anyway. Well, that and, makes sense. That's yeah. a good idea. It's yeah, a great way to get. And have guest appearances right. and people who, yeah. right. So um, basically it's it's about that, but it's also about all the dynamics. Like the parents have a lot of tension. The father's passive aggressive. You know, the the, the kids are screwed up. Their, their kids are screwed up. So it's based on like now, uh -huh. um, the things that, that we deal with, my, my siblings and I. And then there's also flashbacks to the 80s when I was growing up. And about like perfect example, I used to sit in the st on the stairs and eat and listen to her with her clients. 
<laughs> and listen to her group sessions and just, you know, it's like you talking about watching this I guy mean, laying on the on the ground. What sort know. of things would you oh hear and intense, learn? Intense, crazy things about relationships and she'd have couples and they'd be screaming at each other and crying and... You know, it was just intense, like really, really intense. And she also used a lot of things, which I loved, like bats and pillows. And oh, right, yeah, and she was a, <laughs> a lot of that. There's yeah, a okay. lot of props. Right. There was. I grew up with like, you know, she she, she was, started. <laughs> uh, you know, she's a prop therapist. <laughs> she is. She was. That's very old school. They yeah. used a lot of props. Yeah. You know, there she is with a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> she, she used a rubber nose, like a, a red nose. <laughs> No, she actually, my mom started as an art therapist, so she would oh, okay. always have me draw oh. pictures of my feelings. Like I was never just, I could never have a real conversation with her. Oh, right. you seem angry. Here's some paper yeah, and draw some a picture crayons, of, yeah. and then she would analyze my picture. Uh -huh. I mean, this is like stuff that needs to be talked about. It's so, there's so much material, I, I can't even, you know, it's just endless well uh we i again we we have so many other things we could talk about but you know we've come to the end of the podcast so we'll just have to do another one another yeah, time I would and love continue that. it uh where can people you know find you where are the places that if they want to see your material or if they want the podcast or if they want to follow you on like the internet or mm -hmm. where you feel comfortable telling people you know to find you where are those places well, I have a uh, Facebook page, Comedian Jessica Kirsten, which is, you know, it's three separate words, and I put up videos almost every day on that. So those have what really... What sort of videos are you putting oh up Oh, my there? God, tons, like just stuff on the road. I actually wanted to do one with you later. Okay. I, I, I do videos with other comics. I I do them just in the car, in traffic, singing in the car. They're silly. My whole right. thing is about being silly. It's it's, And I'm you know, on Twitter, Jessica Kirsten, Instagram, um, at Jesse Kirsten, and I'm on the Howard Stern Show a lot. So I don't... Do you guys... You don't get, do you get serious in Australia? Uh, no. Serious I, I, XM? So. No, we don't. I mean, people are familiar with Howard Stern, and I do know that people, there are people in Australia who listen to Howard right. Stern. So I'm on it a lot. So there is obviously some way of accessing Howard Stern in Australia. Right. I'm not sure there's a legal way of doing it, but. There's plenty of people who listen to podcasts who understand how to access. Like, basically, if you live in Australia, um, what if, if, it's crazy, but because of the way we are so influenced by American and British culture, and you know we see it all the time. And so, say you're a fan of like game, like Australia, I think is the number one illegal downloader of television shows in the world. Oh, and it's not because Australians hate paying for content because if you offer them content that is easily accessible at the right time, they will definitely pay for of it. Of course. But it's because of the way our stupid system works that like if you're a Game of Thrones fan, it'll play on like Sunday night in America and then it won't be on Australian TV for three weeks. So you have to essentially avoid the internet for oh, three weeks. So got it. Yeah. So, I mean, what happens in Australia is I remember I was doing a, a Q and a with, um, I think it was with Alan Ball, you know, the creator of uh, Six yeah. Feet Under and, 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 and there was one whole series of something that hadn't been out in Australia and everybody in the room had seen it. And you're oh, like, <laughs> wow. like everybody. And he was like, you know, we're like, well, yeah, we found a way. I There's remember when I was in Australia that I saw some shows. I'm like, oh my God, this is a blast from the past. There's some old shows on. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so funny. That was really funny to me. What were you in? I mean, we're finishing up. I, I have a tour. I'm going to give it a quick plug. Um, it, uh, you can find all the details at comedy.com.au, but I am going to uh, Adelaide, 
Brisbane, Hobart, Melbourne, Sydney, uh, Perth. I think there's a Wagga gig. I think there's uh, there's some others. But anyway, all the details, comedy.com.au uh, or willanderson.com.au. And of course, uh, Tofop, um, my other podcast with Charlie and Willosophy and all those sort of things. So check all those out. But uh, you ca- you came to Australia. What, what? How did you find Australia? What was it? I were loved you? it. I did the Melbourne Comedy Festival and I loved it so much. I had a blast. I was there for three weeks and it was so much fun. What I did, really how, lo- thought it was beautiful. How did you find the the, the comedy audiences there? What, what, what were they I like? Mean, <clears throat> I think some of them, uh, like, I had to ease in a little bit. They, they <laughs> <laughs> some of them pretended to be a little more PC than I think they really are. Right. So it was a little, little. you know, it, it took me a minute to just figure it out. Because you did headliners, right? Is that what you did or did you do your own I did headliners, show? yeah, yeah. And, I, and I had a great time. I think uh, headliners can be that audience. Mm-hmm. They can be a bit more, I, th- I think they're a bit of a, how do I put this? It's not sort of, you know, they're, they're not the people who are going out and seeing people's one-hour shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Headliners can be a bit more of a kind of a, I think just a more mainstream Yeah, crowd. it depends who you're working with too. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Big, big part of it. Oh, I think someone's knocking at the door. It's probably room service, uh, not room service, housekeeping or something like oh. that. So so let's uh, finish up. And uh, thank you very much for doing thank the podcast. Thank you. I love you. You're I'm amazing. I'm glad we uh, got to do it. And uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. Mm-hmm.